Oh boy, it sure has been a little bit since the last episode of Lad. Let's see if anything interesting has happened. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, so so the other guy won. Oh no, listen, I get it, okay? I get it, you're upset. Uh, oh God, I love this time of year. Welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, Liberty After Dark. I am your host, Christian. Uh, I hope you guys had a spectacular uh, time off while I was, well, you know, doing the whole not recording thing. Life has been a little busy, but, you know, that's just the way things go. That's how everybody is. Um, part of my ceiling caved in. No big deal. Everything's fine. It was just part of the bathroom. Um, finally got fixed. It's been weeks, but it finally got fixed. And I didn't really want to do recording. While they were doing maintenance, because there's a lot of power tools and blah, blah, blah. Just another excuse so that I can push off and continue being lazy. But enough about that. Um, a couple of housekeeping things. Just keep up with the news real quick before we talk about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but there was this big election and uh, the, the the other guy won. Or, or if you're on the team that the guy won, your guy won. So congratulations or I'm sorry or yeah, whatever you need to hear to help get you through this. Um, don't worry, another four years will come around and you guys will get to decide who rules you this time. So yeah, uh, really other than that, I mean, there's been a whole bunch of nuanced stuff as far as politics with the news, but we haven't really been keeping up with that on the show. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna let all this roll by. Um, a vaccine for the coronavirus is in the works, question mark. I, you know, I mean, it, it's been in the works. One's apparently pretty close. Uh, that's the most I heard about it. The stock market liked hearing about it though. So if you got money in the stock market, I'm pretty sure that's a big, big plus for you. And you probably already heard about this. But for those of you who weren't there or missed it or just couldn't be a part of the live stream, we did like a little fun live stream on floats for just some kind of pseudo survivalist bug out bag kind of thing. Well, it was just a fun project, just something I wanted to do. I've been wanting to make for a long time. Well, it turns out a lot of the audio from that is not going to be usable. So at some point, I'm going to re-record it and post it on library. Uh, maybe I'll post it on YouTube. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. I've got a ton of plans for contents in the future. I've got a whole bunch of stuff coming in to upgrade the setup. I want to start doing more video content. So whatever. No one cares. I'll release it when I release it. The show still has no schedule. Maybe, maybe next year we'll get back to a defined schedule where I put out content on a regular basis. But you know, maybe before that, who knows? I guess we'll see. So if we're not here to talk about the election, what are we here to talk about? Well, I have had some very interesting and fun conversations with a friend of mine recently where we've really just been kind of tearing into each other's ideas. And I think if you don't have a friend that you can do that with, you're really missing out if you enjoy this kind of conversation and these ideas, uh, especially someone who disagrees with you and is like, you guys are okay with disagreeing with each other and, and just to mentally spar with one another. Uh, in my opinion, it's, it's a borderline invaluable experience to have, uh, very few of the ideas that I have today weren't well, for lack of a better phrasing beaten into me. Uh, cause if you just go back to the beginning of the show, if you just scroll back through it and I recommend you don't, I'm going to keep all those things up because you know, I do believe that part of the show is about the journey uh, that me and you all together are going through in this wild world of 
of political philosophy and social philosophy and, and ethics and whatnot. But if you do go back and listen to those, you'll see when I was basically just a, you know, borderline standard L libertarian minarchist all the way to where I am now. And it took a lot of interactions with people just calling me out on where I was wrong to get to where I am today. So one of the conversations that we had was just basically on efficacy, right? It was just on is any of the stuff that I talk about actually feasible? And if it is feasible, why aren't we doing it kind of thing? And I'm sure you guys have heard this topic talked about a dozen times, but this is something that I, I may have a, a unique take on as someone in my position. So yeah, we'll, we'll just see how this goes. But to start off with, to answer the most fundamental question, is anarcho-capitalistic society or just an anarchic society or a property-oriented anarchic society, whatever pronouns you want to throw onto the front of your particular brand of anarchy that makes it not communism, that is feasible, right? There's nothing about the universe that keeps any of these things from happening. And I think that's the first thing that I want to get out there before we go into anything else. There's no fundamental law, like, you know, there's no gravity or like an anti-gravity that says thou cannot have anarchy. It's just, it's completely reliant on interactions of individuals, which we're going to get into later, but I really want to drive that home. There's nothing stopping an anarcho-capitalist society from taking root and being successful and being an overall good place to live somewhere where I personally would probably want to be if everything, you know, was to spec, I suppose would be the best way to put it. Uh, but there is a lot more nuance to it than that. Uh, the, the topic, any topic that involves interactions between people has to take into account all of the interactions between people, including what we may consider more vagrant or outlier interactions. And that's why we do so many hypotheticals. That's why the things like the nap get so much attention when we're looking at quote unquote libertarian anarchist philosophy. There's so many caveats, details, questions that have to be answered in order for all of this to work properly, right? And that's any system. I, I don't want to make it sound like this system in particular is up to any more scrutiny than any other system. They all have to answer their own forms of questions or probably a lot of the same questions in their own ways. Many of them have very conventional responses or, or, or modified responses. So some a great example of this would be like, well, how do you deal with people who violate contracts in an anarchical society if there's no massive justice system there to bring down the hammer on these contracts where they could be, you know, properly what's the word I'm looking for? I guess punished. That would probably be how they put it. How does someone get punished in a society based entirely on voluntary agreements and contracts? Well, of course, you know, we've talked about this before. We have the system of private courts. We have a system of, of voluntary uh, disassociations with people, which I think would be very common. And we have other penalties outside of that that could possibly be uh, brought about as a way to mitigate people from living in that lifestyle of being, you know, contract violators and whatnot. But um, and if you want to get really down and dirty into the details of contract law, there is no such thing as a contract violation because every contract has terms for if you fail to meet this standard, then X, Y, Z will happen. 
Uh, it's when the XYZ that doesn't, you know, for the quote unquote violation, as we would say, the the failure to the failure to follow these pre-approved terms that both sides have agreed on. That's what we would typically consider. Right. And so what if they don't come up on their end of that bargain? Um, the easiest, most base level thing you could do is just uh, ostracism, uh, whether it's just you or whether it's your community uh, if you have a set of guidelines where everybody, you know, signs under the contract that says if someone violates contract law and doesn't seek restitution, then they are hereby barred from all businesses within this institution and is or this uh, established area. And as long as everybody agrees to that, it's a completely acceptable option. But it is very um, esoteric. It'd probably be a good way to put it. It's very esoteric and it requires a cooperation of a lot of different people. And the reason why this is the way it is, is because this system is entirely built around the idea that consent is at the end more valuable than the alternative solutions, right? So if there were to be some sort of monolithic government structure that could just walk in and say, oh, you violated this contract, so we're just going to you know, you throw you in jail or you go to court and the court will decide you pay this much or we shoot you. Um, there isn't really going to be any of that. Now, if someone steals from you, for example, and it's blatant where I guess this is probably a good situation to identify that there is a lot of nuance to this topic. So I am going to be kind of glazing over one part of it just for the example. But if someone were to steal from you, you know, that would obviously be a nap violation and you could then seek your own restitution um and depending on the circumstances of their stealing like if if you sign a contract to exchange five bathtubs for five chickens and they don't give you five chickens but they take your five bathtubs there's a lot of different ways you could approach that but um we've been down that road a dozen times a lot of it comes down to though is that if the system is going to work quote unquote as intended right if we don't want to go into the realm of, of caveats and what ifs, everybody has to be team players. And I think that's the single biggest hurdle and why there's so much focus on education. Um, one of my hot takes has always been that if we were to have anarchy tomorrow, we would have a monarchy the day after. Obviously, that's not exactly how it would go down, but uh, I think it would probably be more accurate to say if we have anarchy tomorrow, we'll have totalitarianism the day after because people don't know how to operate in anarchy and that scares them. Uh, they don't they don't have they, they don't have the capacity. I mean, there's no other way to put it. There's no there's no other way to put it. It sounds super condescending. It sounds like I'm just making fun of and shitting on all these people, but there's no other way to put it. They do not have the capacity to operate in an anarchic society because they've had no one to teach them how to operate in that capacity. And it is different than operating day to day today because we don't have this monolithic governmental structure over you that is quote unquote protecting you and providing all these services, et cetera, et cetera. Now, how all of this ties into the question of efficacy is just, if we're looking at what is the, the most simple system to implement and what would be most effectively implemented, when we come into these interactions where everything is broken down to the lowest level possible, it gets significantly more complicated. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not afraid to say that it gets way more complicated. It is so easy to just say, 
well, we'd have a court and a police system and the court's ruling would be enforced by the police system. And that's the end of it. That's the end of it. There's nothing else after that. There's no, okay, well now I need to notify the gas station that this person is ostracized from the community. And what if that person doesn't comply with their end of the contract for the ostracism? And what if the person is really sorry and, and they feel really bad and everybody else accepts it, except for the one person who had his rights violated and he, he doesn't want to accept their apology and, and wants either more restitution that they can't provide or, you know, it, this can go on for forever, right? Whereas when you're in a monolithic system or, or just a, any other tip, you know, I'm going to call it a monolithic system just because I feel like it's the most accurate representation of what we're talking about today. But if we're in this governmental system where just it's as, it's as simple as an algebra equation, right? It's like you A plus B equals C person plus rights violation equals jail or person plus law breaking would probably be more accurate equals jail or, or whatever the punishment is. Right. And so we ran into this, when I was having this conversation, we ran into this issue where the question became less about is X, Y, Z thing right. And is it sustainable or is it something that we can legitimately accomplish in society today? Is it, is it, is it a pipe dream? And that's something I really had to wrestle with for a second, honestly, because it's really easy for me to sit back here and say, like, yeah, we have answers for all of these things. But if you can't implement any of the solutions, is any of it worth using? Right. So I, I don't he, he didn't come at this from, from the perspective that, OK, your theory is wrong. I think there, there's a lot of the theory that resonated makes a lot of sense. It's it's in, logic is internally consistent and externally consistent to a very large extent. However, it requires so many different pieces to be moving in the right direction that does it even matter, right? Does it matter if your logic is internally or externally consistent if you can't keep the system implemented in, in that particular way to begin with? Um, a perfect example that he said was something like, if a society were to exist in this format and nothing were to work out the way it was, and then they switched over and they all agreed in this community, for example, to switch over to a more traditional system, right? Someone coming over to this system now that doesn't, that has moved away from a, a voluntarist society that is more of like a traditional, we'll just say like a city state government that comes over to this area is now going to be subjected to an entire suite of what are essentially NAB violations because they haven't agreed to any of the rules of the community, or you don't even really have to go that far. There's literally, there are massive issues with just interacting between two different communities. If one community has a particular set of rules that they all agreed to voluntarily, and another community has a completely different set of rules that they all agreed to voluntarily. So... When we get into this situation, we start to see that there are a lot of issues with the implementation of anarcho-capitalism. And that's why, and I want to make sure I say this very, very clearly, I don't think we'll ever have a true anarcho-capitalist voluntarist society. I don't think it's something that humanity can do, at least not on its own. And I won't get too much onto the on its own part. I think there may be a future where we have either reached a level evolutionarily or technologically where we can empathize with one another enough to kind of get over these basal human instincts that cause us to do so much harm to one another. But that's, you know, very much so outside of the scope of this conversation. And so if if you were going to ask me if in the next five, 10, 20, 100 years, if we would see a voluntary society, or if we did, would it be effective? 
Well, I think it's a question of scale, right? And the problem with questions of scale is that there's another caveat to all of this. But I do think it is completely realistic that there could be communities where people live under voluntarist societies. I think that is I think that is very feasible. It's, you know, it's the deserted island. Let's go out to or Mexico and, and, and buy a bunch of property in a town and start our own little and, and Captopia in whatever, whatever third world country you decide to go to or <laughs> Mexico is in a third world country. But, you know, you, you get what I'm getting at uh, some other place that isn't like the developed West and, you know, go out into the middle of the desert or whatever. And, and I think these are technically feasible options. And this is something else that I've brought up to him is how I think as scale increases, the likelihood of success decreases, which is why I think the idea of an entire voluntarist America or planet is pretty much impossible without getting into just, there's so many reasons why I think that statement is true that I don't know if we can fit into this 20 ish to 30 minute podcast today. But just looking at societal differences, just looking at cultural differences, this is a system that becomes very difficult to operate in a vacuum on any sort of scale. Now, again, I think really small communities, I think it's very possible. I think even medium sized to large communities, right? We're not talking about something the size of a state. We're talking about the size of something of like a medium to large city at most, which would be like a city state, right? Uh, and you couldn't expect really much more than that. In my personal opinion, I, I expect some people to disagree with this and I think that's completely fine. You're, you're well within your rights to disagree with anything that I say here, but I think it's very difficult for us to sit back and look at this without having some kind of, um, almost like a reality check, I guess, where even though all of the theory is consistent. Even though all of the logic is consistent, like I said, internally, externally, there is a bridge that you have to cross at some point where it says, okay, in order for this society to function as intended, which is not a utopia, but even for it to function effectively as intended, we have to have a lot more people who are prepared and trained to live in that sort of society, or at least willing to learn. Um, I, I think it's something that would get a lot of pushback. I mean, a lot of pushback. And, you know, kind of hearkening back to the episode where we talked about consciousness and free will, which one of my favorites, by the way, if you haven't listened to it. We kind of dissected the whole idea of free will, if it existed, yada, yada. Well, my conclusion is, is that there's no no real way to to codify any sort of existence of free will. And and at the end of all that, I was like, well, what does this mean as far as like my personal views on my philosophy and, and my view on ethics? And it doesn't really change anything. Just like this admission, which I think is important. I think it's important for us to be able to step back and be like, look, we have some massive problems that have to get addressed before any anything that we talk about can be implemented. It doesn't make anything that we believe in or or any of the ideas that we talk about inherently wrong. So it, just because it may not be possible to have these large scale societies where everyone is free of NAP violations and where people can come and go freely and exchange goods freely and interact freely. Unfortunately, that may not be a true possibility, but it doesn't mean it isn't worth shooting for if that's 
the correct answer, right? And and sometimes that's just the way things are, right? I, I know I feel like I've been really down on volunteerism today. And I guess I kind of have, right? I guess today's, like I said earlier, it's kind of like a, almost a pseudo reality check, right? Uh, it, it was one of those moments where I had to kind of step back and I had to be like, well, look, like there are a lot of issues here that I don't have great answers for and some things that there may never be an answer for. But at the end of the day, as truth seekers, we have to accept the fact that just because we as humans, and I say we as humans as in like humanity as a whole, may kind of suck at living freely and coexisting and interacting peacefully with one another. It doesn't mean that any of the ideas that we talk about are wrong. It doesn't mean that we should be pushing towards that kind of society as close as we can get. I'm not advocating for a minarchist society. I'm not advocating for a small state constitutionalist society. I do think that volunteerism and anarcho-capitalism is pretty much the only way. No, it is the, I mean, I'm <laughs> drop the pretty much. It is the only way to have an ethically founded society based off of the ideas of, of consent and individual rights and, and valuing property and all these things that we believe to be really important parts of just living a free human life. But it doesn't change the fact that there is a very valid criticism that says that this society would either be too complicated to operate on any sort of scale for it to be considered considerable in today's world, or that this society would uh, not just collapse in on itself, which is also another possibility if it were to be implemented on any sort of scale. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I, I again, I feel like I'm I'm being a super downer at this point, but I, I want to make it clear that, you know, we're not looking for the prettiest answers here. I think we're just looking for, or at least I, I don't know about you guys, but when I get up here and I and I'm thinking about these ideas and I'm talking to people and I'm having these conversations, as much as I want my idea to be the quote unquote right or the 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 correct answer, maybe in a lot of situations. It's not right. And I think one more time, I'm going to kind of position all of this so that maybe if you haven't, if you haven't been on, on the train that I am yet, maybe you can get there. I'm not saying that a status society is better just because it's more effective. I think that an ineffective chaos is not what people are going to want. And I think that that's what our biggest risk is at any sort of scaled anarchy that doesn't make any of the tenets of volunteerism or anarcho-capitalism wrong it doesn't make any of the ideas wrong it just means that implementing it is hard very hard because it asks a lot of us as human beings and you know all these things that we talk about like the warlords problem or or just criminal justice in general i hate saying criminal justice but it gets the idea across right the quote-unquote judicial system or however you want to put it these are all issues that are very very difficult to approach in this sort of society. And they have answers. I've given you answers in this podcast of ways that you can approach it, but they're not as succinct or effective or as widely implementable as they are in more traditional systems. And that's a con that you're going to have a really hard time getting people to look past. You got to remember, like we're basically salesmen here, right? You know, we have our sales pitch of like, this is why you should want to live in a free society here are all of the reasons why. Here's all the ethical justifications. Here's all the emotional pleas of why you should believe in, in this and, and live this way. And I think that's great. I think we should continue doing that. 
But when you look at it from the scale of how do we get 300 and potentially 30 million people or whatever it's going to be after the census, maybe like 360 million people to all go along with this society enough for just the most rampant of vagrants to be able to be dealt with, I think is, I think is very, very tall order. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how else to put it, honestly. And, and really, I think that's all I wanted to, to get at today. I wanted to kind of convey some of my thoughts, um, maybe just get some of y'all's in the comments or, you know, in the emails from people who listen to the podcast uh, you know, it's it's one of those issues. And I'd love someone to to prove me wrong. I think it's something that's difficult to, quote unquote, prove wrong, because like I said, I, I don't think there's any issues with the theory or, the, or the, the ideas or the ethics or the philosophy. I just, you know, I think it is just an issue of how do you convince people to this to the point where this could be something that could be implemented in, in a scale that would be. I mean, in my opinion, is necessary, right? I, I I personally believe that every single human being should live under a society like this. And I say under, I said, think live in would be more appropriate there, but should live in a society like this because every person deserves to have their rights intact and not to be manipulated by some sort of monolithic power structure that just dictates an overwhelming majority of the interactions in their life and is constantly looming over them and siphoning funds from them. I think that's terrible and I wish we could move away from it. And I really earnestly hope that we do. And there may be ways in the future where that's a possibility. Uh, and and it, it could be, you know, I'm looking all this at the perspective from Christian on November 14th of 2020 and in 20 years or 10 years, there may be some developments in the way that we interact with each other as humans that make all of this significantly more likely or potentially. And, you know, I don't want to get too far into this train, but it could potentially at some point be a moot point. You know, I mean, we could advance technologically enough to where interactions with human beings are, are nothing like we understand them today. And that's, you know, something that I'm always keeping an eye out for as far as how I feel in this particular position. But I feel like it was important to communicate uh, again. I'll say it again. It's kind of a reality check almost this episode just to kind of curb ourselves. And it's really easy when we get ourselves in these bubbles to think that we're a lot bigger of fish than we are or that the fish that we have is something that other people even want. Uh, and I'm not saying that this is everybody. I think a lot of people are very grounded in their understanding of the ideas. But, you know, the, this is something that I think is important to talk about. And I think it's, you know, if we're, if we're not going to do it in day to day conversation, I figure why not just go ahead and make an episode about it? Just something to to think about, mull over, keep in the back of your mind. Uh, and, you know, maybe you'll be the one to come up with a solution for all of these issues someday. Uh, and, and, you know, if not, then we keep doing what we're doing and uh, quote unquote spreading the good word, as the people say. But uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Uh, if you guys enjoyed, make sure you like, subscribe, leave a comment. If you're listening to this in the podcast, which we've got a ton of people coming in on the podcast. Thanks for everybody coming out and listening to the show. It's great to have you all here. Um, make sure, you know, you give it a give it a subscribe if you liked it, review it or, or whatever you guys do. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Liberty After Dark. I post updates there. We also have a float it's liberty underscore after underscore dark where you can go and follow us there as well we're going to be doing the majority of our live streaming stuff there and don't forget to check us out on youtube because i'm going to be putting more youtube focused content up there along with the podcast so you will be getting these releases on both the podcast feed and on youtube along with extra content on youtube and we'll see how it goes 
Uh, also, potentially looking at maybe starting a second channel in the future to talk about things that aren't political philosophy and ethics. I don't know. We kind of carved out a niche here, so I don't really want to be messing that up, but we'll see. I want to do more things. I want to make more content. I enjoy this, so I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. And other than that, take it easy. 